0: Welcome to Moose's Mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Stryzak. Hey. Uh-huh. Hey. Uh-huh. Last week, we had great talks about horse racing, baseball, basketball, all kinds of stuff. This week, we're kicking off our past mulligan with baseball. Anyway, listen to the roar of the crowd as the Indians take the field. Our past moment of the week, we're going to look at the 1991 MLB Draft. The Yankees-Red Sox rivalry would continue to grow until it exploded in the early 2000s. But would this rivalry really have been this intense if this draft had gone a little differently? Would the Red Sox still be cursed? In 1991, the Yankees took high school pitcher Brian Taylor out of North Carolina with the number one pick overall. Given the fact that Taylor never made it out of the minors, this was definitely a bust pick for the Bombers, and a rare first pick overall for the Yankees. However, when you look down the draft board, you begin to see how much of an effect this pick really did have on the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Yes, get on with it! Get on with it! All right, all right. Players taken after Taylor included Dimitri Young, Tyler Green, Cliff Floyd, Sean Green, and Manny Ramirez. Whoa, 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 wait, Manny Ramirez. Fuck crap. Sure, Manny was taken by the Cleveland Indians with the 13th overall pick, and eventually Man-Ram would find himself with an eight-year, $160 million deal with the Red Sox in 2001. However, the Yankees were another rumored team to be offering Manny a big contract that offseason. But it might have been easier for a re-sign if he already was a Yankee. The Yankees had been stockpiling prospects in the mid-90s, and built that legendary roster that won four rings in five years. Hey, mine have won five if Manny was in the left field. Another fun side note on this draft, Derek Lowe in the eighth round to the Mariners, where he would end up being traded with Jason Veritek to the Soxford Heathcliff Slocum. Club. Aw, oh, man! And Nomar Garcia Parra was also drafted by the Brewers in the fifth round, but didn't sign. What the hell's going on out there? Looks like a convention. Pretty soon they're going to call the roll. <laughs> let's stay with baseball for a present mulligan, and we'll be talking about who should be making moves and not lollygagging here. You lollygag the ball around the end. You lollygag your way down the first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. You know what that makes you. Hurry. Lolligaggers. Lollygaggers. So let's talk about what teams in the playoff hunt should be making a move. If you look, the Rockies made their moves in the offseason. The Diamondbacks made their moves in the offseason and have put themselves in a really good position to move forward. There's always rumors about the Dodgers wanting more starting pitching and they seem to do it every trade deadline. The Dodgers do have the prospects to make a move and anyone who could be selling like the Tampa Bay Rays of Chris Archer or maybe a Jose Quintana who the White Sox still might give up even though they won't get full value for him right now. What are you selling? Reefer? Crack? Smack? Horse? X? Shrooms? Dust? Meth? In my neighborhood? I don't think so. And I still believe the Nationals can win the World Series if they get help in their bullpen. They could look to Cincinnati, whether they'll have to pay high for Rocio Iglesias, but it could pay off majorly this year. No way! Andy, you have Brian Zimmerman hitting over 300 and hitting a potential 40 bombs again. Where I want to focus my attention is in the AL East, with the Yankee youngsters overperforming, Boston hanging in there with very little starting pitching except for Chris Sale performing so far, and the Orioles hanging in there without Zach Britton and their 3-4-5s in the order being the least productive in the league right now. Good, my pitch, not that bad. Now, the Orioles could definitely make some moves, maybe get some starting pitching to help since theirs have been struggling. Zach Britton coming back will be like a trade back, which will be very helpful. The Red Sox hanging in there, maybe they could find someone to add at third, but then they'd have to give up more prospects than they already gave up to get Chris Sale. Also, not to mention, the Red Sox starting pitching has definitely not been good. But they keep saying these names like Price and Porcello are gonna get it for them. We're still waiting for Price and Porcello to be positive factors. For the Yankees, it's very difficult to ask them to be buyers now after they sold so much and cleared so much contract space to get these young players in here. And they have overperformed and have now put themselves in a situation where they think hey, if we beat the Astros, we're in the World Series. So maybe there is some cheaper starting pitching for them to get out there, but I wouldn't want them to trade too many of these young prospects. i a fool who tries to use it! For our future mulligan, we're going to the NBA to see if it even has a future to take a mulligan on. So now we're going to welcome in our NBA experts, Ben Huff and Jason Touch, to talk about the NBA's future. Hello. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jason. Hey, Alex. <laughs> you can tell it's an early morning show again, everybody. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> The first thing we're going to talk about is our poll of the week, and uh, 45% of viewers so far say that they're bored of this NBA Finals. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Boring! Well, um, I think that's not boring at all. These finals have been great. You know, it's a teams to make it very interesting, very kind of like an all star game, but And then Jason, what's your opinion on uh, on this NBA Finals so far? I'm really liking it. it like, what Ben said, it's kind of like an All Star game, but in the playoffs. And I think the only point that I could understand from the fans' view is that they want more of a bumpy road to the finals. They're like more than just a bunch of sweeps through the play- playoffs. They want a little harder, but. Right. I'm completely happy with it. Right. So uh, the second question we asked is if there if these two teams faced off a fourth time, how would it affect the league? And sixty seven percent of people thought it would be terrible for the league, and then twenty two percent thought it would make no change, and the rest thought it would be good. So the majority think it wouldn't be good for the league. What's your opinion on that, Ben? More, more, more well, I can see why people don't want it or would think it'd be terrible if it happened happen again. But to be honest, it's making the NBA more exciting for me, Uh, it's probably it's making more money. Um, This is a very watched final, so if it happens again, I think it's another uh, dynasty that's about to happen between these two teams. And then Jason, what what do you think about a four straight finals between these two teams? 90s, the only teams that we would see were the Lakers and Celtics, and the people couldn't wait for them to get back in the finals. And instead of saying Lakers-Celtics nowadays, it's just the Cavs and the Warriors. So I can also see where they're coming from, but I don't have problem with it at all. Right, so la- last question was, uh, who do they think will win the finals in the 2018 season? And 44% think the Warriors will take it and 33% the Spurs. Now, uh, going into next year, the possibility of Chris Paul going to the Spurs, or CP3 and Griffin staying in L.A. and adding somebody like Carmelo Anthony, and then Paul George has talks to Celtics, He even the Cavaliers now is what I'm hearing. So, with the possibility of super teams coming around, I mean, what? who do you think is the f- real favorite to go against these Warriors next year? Want to talk about it, champ? Well, I think it's going to be the Spurs, especially if Paul goes um, to the Spurs. That's, that's the, the, the big three right there with Paul, Kawhi, and Lawrence Walgreens. Um, and that's going to be a very defensive team. So that's something that should be able to um, battle the Spurs or battle the Warriors and battle the Cavs. And Jason, who do, who do you think your favorite to go against the Warriors next year? said the Spurs, but I don't see I mean, I do see Chris Paul signing with the Spurs but that's only if um, the Clippers can't pull a big name off a free agency and then go to the Clippers because I think that Paul and Griffin would stay if they brought in more firepower, which they probably won't because it's the Clippers. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure if they don't sign somebody else, then the Clippers are gonna lose Paul and Griffin next season. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Yeah, I'm you have us, man. So I'm with the 45% of viewers that are kind of bored in this finals because it took the Cavs 140 points to even be contending to win that for their first game of the. Finals. For the 60-something percent, that think this is terrible for the league if they do it four years in a row. You know, I do think this differs from the Celtics and Lakers that faced off a lot in the Finals. There were other teams that were sneaking in there every other year. There were the Hawks, the Knicks, 76ers, uh, Pistons, Bad Boys. And the Lakers and Celtics drafted and brought up their own programs there. It wasn't a free agent signing like Durant. It wasn't a trade for Kevin Love. So it was more of these guys grew up playing against each other, Celtics-Lakers and finished their careers playing against each other, Celtics-Lakers. Also, the team I look at to best relate to this is the Utah Jazz. What are they going to do next year? They're a good team. Normally, we'd be talking about them being a sleeper contender and, you know. But they're a mid-market area with younger players. So they're not going to probably get these big free agent names this year. You know, what, what's holding them from tanking and getting good draft picks and then going for big-name free agents in 2019? And it begins. If the Spurs do get Chris Paul or the Clippers all come back and add a Carmelo Anthony or something like that, big-name free agent, that already is another team now ahead of the Jazz in the West with the Warriors, now Spurs, now maybe Clippers, Rockets, if they show some defensive ability. What? makes the Jazz want to be buyers, even though they have all this good young talent that's about to explode. That's where I think this hurts the league. And lastly, 44% going with the Warriors, I mean, until proven wrong, I don't see why you wouldn't pick them, I mean, I think the Celtics have a good chance to be contenders, I think the Spurs have a good chance to be contenders, I think the Cavs have a good chance to be contenders again, but that's it, it's these four teams I see being contenders, and the rest of the 26 teams are kind of just out of it. I mean, it's like watching 26 Washington Generals teams against four Harlem Globetrotter teams. All right, well, thanks for listening to the show this week. I'd like to thank my guests, Jason Touch and Ben Huff. Thanks very much. Check out our website that has full episodes like this one and polls for next week's show, too, so you can be involved. Uh, the URL for the website is alexanderstryzak.wixsite.com slash Mulligans. You can find that all over our social media pages, facebook.com slash Mulligans and twitter.com slash mulligans <laughs> No. Tune in next Sunday for another great show and have a great week. And remember, fairways and greens, no mulligans. We'll see you next week.